Hello, and welcome to this week's episode of Politics in the Pulpit, a lectionary-based preaching resource designed to ask the provocative question of whether, and if so, how politics should appear in our preaching this week. My name is Jenny Mills, and I'm the Secretary for Education and Learning in the United Reformed Church. I'm nearing the end of my time as host, and I've had an amazing time. I hope listening has been as wondrous as uh, me being able to offer uh, to host the amazing guests that we've had on, sharing their wisdom and their experience with us. Each week, I'm joined, as you know, by a guest from a different place and space on the political and um, um, pulpit and political landscape. Today, I'm very pleased to introduce Stephen Norrish. Stephen is director of Milton Keynes Christian Foundation, a local charity birthed from the ecumenical adventures in Milton Keynes, exploring and developing new approaches to mission and church through social enterprise. I'm sure we'll be hearing more about that as we speak to Stephen. So it is with delight that I welcome Stephen Norrish to be with us. Welcome, Stephen. Thank you. Thank you. Good to be here. Thank you for joining us today. So politics in the pulpit. Uh, I wonder what that, what that means to you. Could you give us a little bit about yourself and whether or not you see yourself as a pulpit politician? Oh, goodness. Um, <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I seem to have spent most of my life trying to avoid pulpits. Um, uh, I was, they were trying to present me as a reverend in the precursor to the show. So they wanted to make me Reverend Stephen Nourish. Well, now I've not achieved that status. And I think I've been avoiding, trying to avoid pulpits for two reasons. One is a personal one, which is that um, I'm a PK, a preacher's kid, and uh, there's something about trying to escape the, um, the paths that our parents have taken. Yeah. Uh, but also, um, one of the things that hit me when I took my first job was a, the sort of it sounds silly now but the discovery that God was at work as much in the community as much in the world as he was in the church and so I guess uh, what I've been trying to work out for myself ever since then is how I make sense of what God is doing in the world and how I do my best to join that and so pulpits are scary places for me because they feel a bit too churchy um, but also they speak to me about power. It's interesting that we're meant to be talking about political mm. power here. But, um, you know, the design of churches and the placement of pulpits is all about power. Somebody out the front, usually a little bit high and lifted out and speaking down to the rows of people in the congregation. And if that isn't power imbalance, I don't know what is. So I've always had this bit of a desire to escape pulpits. I don't always manage it but that's been what I've tried to do. Okay, so uh, if having avoided the formal pulpit setting of in, in churches, um, could you just give us a bit of uh, an idea about what your pulpit is and your context is in which uh, you're, you are at the moment? And then from that, pull out some of the justice and uh, political issues and events um, from the setting you're in. So, So how are you being being um you know living out your faith uh, through what you do okay thanks yeah i mean <laughs> director of the Christian foundation we're uh, essentially a community a, a, a faith-based community development charity working in milton Keynes, and we try and find a way of being present within our <laughs> local communities to be listening to finding out what's going on to hear what the issues and challenges are 
and to find ways of joining those and reflecting our understanding of the reign of God in those situations. And so at the moment, we're doing a lot of work with young people, young people who are on the fringes of education. And so I guess in terms of politics and power, we're looking into issues around <clears throat> child poverty, family poverty, uh, mental health, um, those issues that are affecting lots of young people at the moment. We're also through our social enterprises, we've got this rather interesting way of doing work, which is that those young people help us and support us in wider elements of our mission through engaging in one of our seven social enterprises. And um, lots of those enterprises are involved in looking at environmental issues. So um, how we treat our environment and how we live together on our planet. Um, there's issues around food security. We've got um, healthy eating uh, community cafe. We've got an urban farm. We keep bees. <coughs> We um, recycle bikes, um, so loads of stuff around how we live um, on our planet in a way that is mindful of the needs of everybody else. And that, those raise all sorts of issues in our political realm at the moment and the way in which we treat others and the way that um, we manage to live uh, in a way that's sensitive to the needs of all those that are around us. Thank you. Uh, thank you so much. And I'm sure some of what you've already talked about will come into when we're when we're looking at the text, sort of connecting the the the, the text that we read with the work that's going on. Thank you ever so much. Um, so each week, uh, my JPIT colleagues give me a little bit of a roundup, um, keeping an eye on the world. Uh, this week we have that the NHS in England is facing the worst staffing crisis in history. Hospitals are struggling to maintain staffing levels, meaning trusts are finding it hard to tackle the COVID backlog. Um, we've heard today four pro-democracy activists have been executed in Myanmar. Four people held in prison have been killed. The first executions in Myanmar in, dec in decades. Uh, uh, the US may declare a climate emergency. President Joe Biden is considering announcing a climate emergency to enable more powers to push climate policies up the agenda. This comes at the same time as wildfires destroy the large parts of California. We've also seen the UK with uh, the most extreme temperatures ever recorded and a number of fires going on last weekend, continuing to go on, One, including one within Milton Keynes uh, last week. So there's quite a lot about climate crisis. Uh, and then we also have the ongoing situation with um, the Conservative uh, government as they try to elect a new leader. So there's quite a lot going on in the world and the church speaks into this world. Uh, and So with our with all of those things in our head and uh, our, our mm. Bibles in the other hand, we're going to uh, we're going to look at this week's lectionary text and I open up. Uh, um, I invite you to kind of guide us, lead us through whatever you fancy doing, through the text that we've been um, we've been assigned for this week. So over to you. Okay, thank you. Yeah, well, we've been given some fairly meaty texts this week. <laughs> yeah. um, and we could come at them from all sorts of different directions and pick up lots of the themes you've just mentioned. I think particularly the Luke passage, which I'll come to a little bit later on, seems to me to pick up, you know, what do, how, do we, how do we deal with our abundance? Um, but I'll come to that at the moment. I, I wanted to begin with Hosea because you picked up at the end um, about the political situation and, and, and power and the way that our leaders lead. Yeah. And I thought the Hosea passage, strangely, was uh, uh, after I got scared when I first read it, 
um, <laughs> thought that this was a really fascinating um, way to think about power, the way that power is exercised and how power is regulated. Okay. So, I mean, it, it's this amazing, I mean, Hosea does this all the time, gives us these amazing pictures of God, which seem to run counter to all of those things that we've been taught, all of those things we talk about in um, our, uh, our liturgical discussions about God and yeah. sort of really messes up those images, uh, which is, I think, really good for us. So, you, you know, here God is this um, frustrated, angry parent with the child that is taking absolutely no notice of them. <laughs> the more I called them, the more they went away from me. I mean, as a, as a, as a parent of teenagers, uh, we'll all remember <laughs> that sort of feeling. You know, but uh, again, the, 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 this goes on even further because the, the, the idea given us is the parent gets so frustrated with the, the, the child that um, the parent casts the child off and says, I'm, I'm not going to have anything more to do with you. Um, but the bit that really blew my socks off was the next bit, really, what happened next? Because we have this, uh, we have this picture of a God who is... So if I take go back to the parent image again, and it's almost like turned their back on the child, started to walk away, angry, bitter about what's happened, yeah. and then suddenly pulls up short and stands still, and in, in in the head is thinking, "My goodness, this is me. This isn't the way I am. Um, I'm not like this. Um, uh, I, I'm, you know, I care. I love this child. I cannot go on with this way of acting." Yeah. So we've suddenly got this picture of God completely so self-examining, looking within the God self and seeing that an action that is being considered is wrong and completely turning around and going back the other way and remind God, reminding God self that God is of compassion and love and care. And, you know, those wonderful images we saw at the beginning. I, I really love the image of the child being lifted to the cheek. That's such a beautiful picture. But really turning this around. And as I say, bringing that back into the political realm and what's going on amongst their politicians at the moment. So one strand of thought that seemed to come to me straight away was this idea that, um, you know, that power, we've got this idea of power within our politicians, that we never do it. Politicians, we're not allowed to do anything wrong. There's clearly no self-reflection yes. going on most of the time. <laughs> <laughs> and so we've got this incredibly warped view of what leadership and power looks like. Yeah, yeah, no, no. I mean, I, it, it, it's quite a journey, isn't it? And I, I loved how you began at the beginning because it's not, it's not the image of God we're given in the Old Testament, is it? We're, we're talk, we talk about this retributive God and all of this. And then, and then those words, you know, I called him my son, I took them up in my arms. All of those things, and I thought I I loved as well the um, for I'm God and no mortal. This idea that we 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 personify God so much that we lose the the mystery, the essence. Yeah, maybe. Yeah, that's interesting. Yeah, a bit. The bit that I got from that was it was almost a, you know the sort of challenging us, saying look, this is the way that mortals behave, and I I don't behave like that. Mm. And all that as being the, the the thing there, and this um, this almost it's so similar to the um, you know God coming to his senses. Sorry about using the he there, but it's very difficult with the parent bit, isn't it? Uh, but yeah. God coming to God's senses, um, and uh, you know turning around. And yeah. I suppose I was left with the idea, you know, if God is um, self-critical, self-reflective, and that's 
that's what power and that somehow power is about being able to be self-reflective and to change direction mm. how important then it is for us in our role as leaders uh, how important it is in terms of politics and power to have this um element of self-reflection yeah yeah and, and and it's interesting how there is that real tension isn't there of 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 anger and love and and yet when the chips are down god comes down on the side of mercy there is this merciful right. god that just that, that that offers us this this compassion despite the behavior of the israelites yes yeah 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 i think uh, so maybe there's hope for some of our politicians yet then <laughs> careful <laughs> <laughs> So God, yeah. God, God never, never gives up on us at all. Yeah, but I suppose one of the things that relating to our politicians is that there's something that we do as the, those who listen that don't allow politicians to get it wrong. They're responding to something that we are doing as the electorate, as listeners, that it's become unacceptable in public to accept that you have made a mistake and gone in the wrong direction. Goodness, yeah, yeah. No, I'd not, not. I, so it's almost they're responding to a perceived expectation or an expectation that 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 wrong is weak. Yeah, making mistakes is weak. Um, um, taking wrong directions is weak. All of the things that we know are really important for growth, for learning, um, and I think what this passage is telling us is actually it's a fundamental to power. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So being able to self-reflect and being able to, and it's a bit like, um, you know, where um, where the woman challenges Jesus and it almost yeah. feels like Jesus changes his mind. Yeah, yeah. The is, like, do you see any? Yeah. Yeah, no, no, I, that, that was, that's what came to my mind because, again, we see in Jesus the same thing. This, uh, this, abil this, this um, ability to listen, um, to recognise that perhaps a particular direction is not, the right one and to change and to yeah. be influenced so I, I, I exactly there was the cane that my woman came to my mind when when i read the passage too yeah yeah and and, and i think there is it, it ties in with some of the um some of the uh repentance and some of the you know we we, we do the, the prayers of confession don't we but this idea of it's okay to 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 to, to say you got it got it wrong and then to turn and to change and to do something different uh and it isn't it isn't prayers of confession often can be like you know beating yourself up in this individualistic stuff but actually if we were all if it were an acceptable way we confess we've got it wrong but actually instead of shame we just see that as a natural part of of, of life and 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 that's acceptable that would that would that that changes things doesn't it changes the emphasis yeah we don't learn to walk but by falling over so yeah yeah yeah, yeah so that thank so you that led, yeah sorry that sort of led into me thinking about the colossians stuff yeah. and the paul gobbledygook which uh, uh paul never sort of ceases to amaze me of how he can make something that is i hope is relatively simple incredibly complex to read and understand i'm going to get in <laughs> trouble with uh Pauline scholars there, I know, but um, there we go. Um, but I mean, but what's really interesting is the beginning of the, the um, Colossians passage, picking up from how we had left Hosea, is asking us to get into the mind of God. 
seek the things that are above, set your mind on the things that are above, the begin the starting point in Colossians. So immediately Paul and Paul is saying to us, get yourself into the mind of God um, where Hosea has just left us. Um, see what's going on there. And, um, uh, you know, as obviously uh, this, the, the, for, for an activist, this is often a, an odd place to start a reading, um, an understanding of Paul, because you know there is this tendency, you know, to be um, uh, too, you know, too, your head too stuck in heaven to be any earthly, any earthly good view if you're not careful. Um, but I think, you know, as we'll go on to see in Colossians, that's not what this is about. This is about us getting ourselves into the mind of God, so that actually our behaviours, and then there's a list of very earthy behaviours that Paul is looking at, mm-hmm. um, that our behaviours actually start to reflect what we discover is going on when we are poetically and imaginatively putting ourselves into the mind of God and what God is trying to do. Okay. Um, so I guess what I would see in the Colossians passage connected to the other is a basis for self-reflection. Yeah. Um, you know, which is what I wanted to draw out of the Hosea one um, and uh, giving us a sort of a starting point for that self-reflection. So so for the for political activist, it seems to me there are two things to be bear in mind here. Um, uh, one is, um, you know, sort of picks up the sense of the of, of Paul in, in Corinthians in the wonderful love um, poem or hymn, you know, which is that if we do these things without love, then they are nothing. Yeah. And unless our political activism is rooted somehow in the imagination, the mind of God, then it could end with nothing. So uh, for those of us that just want to get off and do something, which is often me, making <laughs> sure that what I do is rooted in that sense is really important. So, um, yeah. So, and I guess the other thing we'd want to just chuck in here somewhere is that this is not about hating sex or hating bodies, which some people use the, these passages from Ephesians and Colossians to do. So I wasn't going to go into that, but just to say it's not about that. Uh, this is this is a critique of sexual practices that are not rooted in love. And and for me, that's mm. the, the, mm. the thing behind all of what Paul is doing is if it's not rooted in love, then, you know, it's nothing. Now, thank you for that. I think that's really helpful because the the bit that I picked up was everything in the from verse five onwards. It's about relationships and none, you know, it's all about positive relationships and kind of grounded in the world we're in. Because, um, you know, often often we're encouraged or we were encouraged to say, you know, living well now gives you something when you die and that whole sort of you know apocalyptic stuff but actually it's about being grounded in the here and now is living god's way now in good relationship with other people now so i think that's that that's really um yeah that's really helpful that idea of uh and some of the other stuff is some of that clothing yourself is is an external and actually it's coming back into the heart isn't it that 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 paul is uh, is usually calling us to that that what's 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 with the heart and that ties in with the love the love aspect of it yeah i mean i, I again i i think paul is calling us into this sort of self-reflective practice and saying look at what you're doing look at how you're living look at the way the society your community is living your society is living how does that look in the light of a god that commands us to love god and love neighbor how does that yeah. how does that look 
you know, how does it look when we look at it in the light of justice and community, which is what it's been called for. And there's that, you know, as you, the, the, the bit you're pointing to towards the end, um, you know, the, the breaking down of all ethnic, religious, cultural divisions, they all collapse yeah. in the light of God's love and in the light of God's community. Um, but the bit that I suppose I was also keen to pick out of that because it leads into the Luke passages that uh, after that list of um, illicit sexual behaviours, um, the, the final one and the one that Paul seems to give most emphasis to is greed. And, um, you know, greed is, is greed and love for neighbour just cannot coexist. Yeah. And uh, so, it, you know, it reminds you of the loving God or loving mammon, you know, and that bit at the end of the verse, which is a form of idolatry, which you get, reminds us that we are constantly being asked by our faith, you know, is it God that we love or is it mammon we love? And that's really helpful to think about. Um, so so the author, it's that authenticity in life, isn't it? It's authentic living so that you're, uh, the whole, that, that whole package, it's it's living well, looking at how you're living, reflecting, changing, challenging, but rooted in a, in a love and relationship. Yeah, yeah, rooted in the love of God and the grace of God, which we've been hearing about in Hosea and then at the beginning of Colossians. Okay, so take us on to Luke then. This yeah, is so a, greed, this greed is takes fact, into, isn't it? Yeah, greed takes us into Luke, doesn't it? <laughs> um, and uh, you know. What's really interesting is that um, Jesus is not interesting in, interested in solving the problems of the rich. You know, the passage starts with the son coming and yeah. saying, you know, teacher, tell us how to do, you know, what we're going to do with that. He's just not interested yeah. in the problems of the rich and the wealthy. Um, and, you know, immediately for those of us that even are relative wealthy, it's impossible to read Luke without feeling uncomfortable. It should be impossible for us to read Luke without feeling uncomfortable you know right at the beginning he has filled the hungry with good things and sent the, sorry this, i'm going back before the text here yeah. back to the one the magnificat um he has filled the hungry with good things and sent the rich away empty and you know that theme is reiterated all through luke so jesus is not interested at all in the problems of the wealthy um and it, it's in that context i think then we have to try and listen to the parable which is about this um, rich, wealthy person who uh, has got so much abundance that they need to knock down their old barns to build new barns. And, and for me, this is sort of some really helpful and provoking imagery that I think we could use in, uh, I, that would be the bit I'd want to use in the sermon alongside some of the other stuff. Um, because what ultimately things seem to ask of us is what do we do with abundance? What do we do with abundance um, yeah. individually, in our communities and as a nation? Yeah. So I mentioned child, I mentioned sort of young people in poverty. You know, Milton Keynes, you know, was supposed to be one of the wealthiest cities in the country. And we look nationally, we were one of the wealthiest kind of sixth, sixth or seventh wealthiest country in the world. And yet 20% of our young people and 20% of our young people and children live in poverty. Yeah. You know, what are we doing with our abundance um, and where's it going? So I think that demands lots of questions of us. And, 
Um, again, picking up what we were talking about in Colossians, the passage is essentially saying to us, um, you know, are we using that abundance in the light of what we know about the love and compassion of God for us and the compassion of love that is demanded of us, of our neighbour? Yeah. Um, and if, in terms of what I would then do with that, I, I don't know, am I, are we okay to move on? Because in one sense, I, is that okay? Yeah, yeah. You, 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 you've got the floor. Am I? Oh, good. Yeah. This is great. Yeah. I love this. Um, <laughs> um the this i think i'd be challenging i i'd want to say to the congregation um let's split into groups of five um and ask ourselves how can we build barns together that benefit everyone wow how can we share uh, resources and abundance rather than seek to possess them and that takes them takes me sort of really back into the sort of work that I feel as though I'm involved in, which is working with local communities, trying to hear and see the resources there and the creativity that's there, and to find ways of encouraging that to come together to solve some of the issues that are in our community. So this is how we might deal with um, some of the issues in our local committee around community around food security amongst the needs of young people and get people to begin to look at the abundance that's within their congregation and say, how might we build barns together with others that benefit everyone? And that felt like a really mm. nice imaginative task to engage in, you know, that might lead to things that we often see already in churches, but could lead to other. I mean, I, I, um, we know lots of churches are involved in food banks. Um, um, I, I like food pantries more than food banks, as you know. I won't go into that now. But there is this idea that, you know, we're that, that's a really practical way of building a barn together, you know, where we're sharing resources, we're sharing abundance, because a lot of it would be wasted. So we're sharing abundance. Yeah, and uh, I, I think for me, that idea of... Um, what he in the, the the rich fool doesn't have any concept of anyone else he he is just quite individualistic and it's all about him and he's very focused you know and you can't you know it's really difficult it's that difficulty isn't it don't be don't, you know be sensible with what you've got but equally when does it become it goes back to the serving god and mammon and all of those things but this 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 sense of um he doesn't it doesn't we don't pick anything up in there about relationship with the other and when you're talking, I think that idea of building the barns, what could we do? It's about not going, what can we do up here to help those poor people out there? It's actually what can we do together that empowers and enables. And I think that's what um, Milton Keynes Christian Foundation is about realizing potential, particularly in young people, isn't it? And it's about enabling those who've never been given opportunities to, to gain those opportunities um, but it's also asking them to work to work together with with the, with the staff as well, isn't it? So everybody works on the social enterprises, and I think that idea of uh, again comes back to relationship, again comes back to 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 working together. But that how we do stuff so it isn't in, um, goes back to the end of the Colossians, so it isn't any an an unequal relationship. Yeah, doing with rather than doing to. Yeah. 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 Yeah, yeah, no, that, that you're right. The parable is all I, 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 I. Um, and I think, as I say, that needs turning on its head to be how we can do these things together. 
And I think the it's interesting. Uh, the it's unfortunate the the um, the lectionary finishes where it, le it finishes, and I understand that the next bit about the birds of the air and the lilies of the field actually isn't in the lecture any, at any point at all. Oh, wow. um, so, I mean, I'd be encouraging us to get that in somewhere because what I saw in that was this notion of rather than trying to possess the things of creation, um, but, you know, rather than trying to possess them, but to share them together. Um, to share in the abundance of creation. So it takes us into lots of the environmental themes that you were mentioning earlier on and the importance of living gently on the planet and sharing it in ways that maintain the lilies of the field and maintain the birds of the air, which, as we know, are struggling. The bees, as I would say, that's why we, we keep bees at um, the foundation, because the pollinators are in decline. Um, so I think it would be good to bring that into the discussion so that you can pick up some of the ways of sharing that we, rather than trying to possess and own creation, that we are sharing in the resources, the abundance of creation together mm. um, and uh, in a way that doesn't damage them. So, yeah, pull in, pull in the next bit. Yeah, yeah. And, and, and he also has this, uh, I felt that idea of... Um, supply and demand you know i'm going to hold on to this grain until the costs go up so much that i can get more money for it and it feels a bit you know with the petrol prices and all of this control and 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 just the the russian um the russian and ukrainian agreement over grain these tech this text just speaks into the world you know it, it's so amazing isn't it how these texts literally speak into the issues that are already going on in our world yeah yeah really challenging how do we turn our ways of looking at resources from possession through to sharing and uh, I think I suppose where I would go you mentioned right at the very beginning things like the National Health Service um, and other structures that we've got in country in this country which we've put in place as it were these are barns that we've building to been building together for the future and therefore we should be continuing to fight for them as churches and as Christians um, because it's a way of us sharing you know sharing the responsibility for our health it's about sharing the responsibility for when things go wrong in our lives and making sure that we're building barns and storing things not just for ourselves um but for other peoples within our communities within our society so there's a lot of stuff around those um collective approaches those communal approaches to um i want to keep on talking about building barns because they are building yeah. barns yeah, yeah. Um, so how, uh, that's why I wanted to ask the question. I said, so though, that's a real way that in a community sense we've done that. And then think about how do we do that globally? That's more complex. But are there ways that we can build barns together so that we deal with, you know, we've got things like the World Health Organization, which is another good example of that. United Nations, these things we should be supporting because those are the bodies that are bringing together the, the abundance from our countries and then sharing them in, in, in those situations where life is more challenging and as you indicated earlier part of what's really important is that we might start with a charitable purpose i.e that, that there'll be times we need to give yeah. in situations do things to a situation but that should shift very quickly into seeing how we can do with people think with things with people and giving them the tools the um things that they need to empower them i think you use the word to um to begin to uh, have abundance in their own lives. 
And and this is there something to it's it's when we're talking about the barn building, it's not just about uh, about practical action. It well, it's practical, but you know, having your voice heard. Yep. You know, the the lobbying, the yes. the calling out the, the the injustices. It's those things that are as vital as uh, as some of the the provision stuff, isn't it? Or the offering space and yeah. offering opportunities. It is as well that enabling those who have no voice to actually be heard as well. Yeah, no, I think that's really good. And and I think, again, coming back to my sermon suggestion, I've been sort of saying to, to those groups, you know, there are two ways. You might think of a practical project, but there might be a particular issue you want to yeah. put your shoulder yeah. to the wheel on and speak into that and find ways of encouraging the communities that are facing the issues that uh, come up to have a voice in those situations. Right. So we've got a couple of minutes, really. Uh, and so did you want to offer us some thoughts on the psalm or are you quite happy that we've... Uh, no, I got a bit grumpy about the psalm because, <laughs> um, it, you know, it replaced the psalm that's in the Revised Common Lectionary, which is Psalm 49, uh, which is all about the futility of gathering wealth. And, um, and so I'd be encouraging everybody to go back to Psalm 49 um, and uh, a number of the commentaries on Luke suggest that it is uh, Psalm 49, which is in Jesus's mind and heart when he speaks so clearly about, you know, the folly of pursuing wealth. Um, and in this particular parable, you know, the fact that, you know, what is the, you know, you, 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 you've gathered all this stuff and tonight I'm going to call you. You know, you're going to die, basically. Yeah. And the psalm picks up those same strands of the futility of that. So I decided that the psalm was optional. And then I was going to tell you to look at Psalm 49 when <laughs> we got to this point. <laughs> well, well, thank you very much. Thank you. <laughs> well, uh, with with all of those things ringing in our ears and, and thank you so much. It's been really good to to take these texts apart with you and to see the threads that, that go through, particularly from a peace and justice angle. Um, uh, I really appreciate your your wisdom and uh, and coming and giving us your time this morning. Uh, I've really each time I do one of these, I just wish I could go on a bit longer. Do you know what I mean? Because I think there's just so much. Uh, but thanks for for joining us and and telling us actually that really we should be preaching politics. Politics with a small p should be be preached in our in our in our churches and our pulpits wherever we find them this week. Uh, and so I say to those who are listening that if they've enjoyed the Politics in the Pulpit podcast, could they leave us a review wherever they listen to the podcast? And if there are any questions that people would uh, like to, to ask us or offer us responses to what's been said, we'd really appreciate it. The best place to join in the conversation is on Twitter at pulpit underscore politics or using the hashtag politics in the pulpit or on the Facebook community, which you can access through the Joint Public Issues team. Um, the question, each week we ask um, a question, and I think I'm going to steal your question this week. You know, what, what does barn building, how can we build barns as communities uh, and, and as society? And, and I don't think we can solve the, the issue in terms of the national and the global, but I do think we can start from where we are, looking at what justice and what what equality is in our contexts. Uh, so we go into our politics and our pulpits with a blessing that I leave us with. May, be, may we be anointed with God's spirit as we bring good news to the poor, proclaim release to the captives, help people to see the world truthfully and let the oppressed go free.
Stephen, thank you very much for having us, uh, for, for joining us and for coming on this morning. And goodbye. Bye.